Yeah, let's put our hands together. We are very thankful. Uh, in fact, if you are a vet today, would you just do us the honor of standing so that we could just thank you very much. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You're able. No, it's okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. God, God bless you. We're so glad to be here. If we have never met before, my name is Scott, one of the pastors here at Hope. And on behalf of my boss, Jesus, and the senior pastor of this church, you are most welcome. If you are new to the family of Hope, uh, immediately following this service, I teach a one-hour seminar, which I'd love for you to be a part of, called Hope 101 or Life at Hope. It's in the A hallway, A10. You would be more than welcome to come. I think they have coffee and donuts. Uh, also, I, I would like to just let you remind you, um, we need some administrative help in our office. So if you have administrative skills, organizational skills, uh, just email in your resume, uh, reply to hope at gmail.com. Reply to hope at gmail.com. That address is in your uh, weekly, and I hope you diligently read your weekly. <laughs> One person said yes, okay. Or go online, church. Or just There's so much happening at this church. You have to, like, read and connect and churchofhope.com, the Facebook page. Just get connected because there's always a lot going on. Today, we're continuing our series called Generous. Generous because it's not about me. It's about we. It's not about I. It's about us. And when you learn that truth, it changes your world and it changes the world. It's not about me. I want to thank Pastor Holly. She kicked off the uh, uh, series last week. Very much appreciate it. This church is blessed with great preachers and teachers, and uh, I just am glad to be among them. Yeah, go ahead. We can just, just we are blessed. We are really blessed. Uh, the reason we are talking about generosity this month is that God is incredibly generous. That actually when you get to know, the more you get to know God, uh, the more you get to understand his nature of giving and loving. In fact, one of the shortest definitions of God, it's not a complete definition, but it's in the Bible, and it simply says, God is love. And because God is love, he gives. In fact, you can't love someone or love something without giving, wanting to make it better. And so from the book of Genesis all the way through to the revelation of Jesus, the first to the last book, we see the heart of God, and it is a heart of generosity. And in this month that our nation celebrates thanksgiving, we emphasize that generosity and giving go together. You can't separate them. In fact, generosity is the fertilizer of thanks. Uh, I said that backwards. Let me. Gratitude is the fertilizer for generosity. It also is the fertilizer for love and for joy. So are there any grateful people in the house today? Just And, and because of that, we're just looking at the subject of generosity this month. And um, God says there's different ways that we can be generous, different methods. And so during this month, we're talking about those methods of generosity. There's, there's systematic generosity, a planned 
generosity, which we're going to emphasize today in our time in God's Word. There is special generosity uh, when there was a special need. For example, when the Hebrews needed to build a house for God, they received offerings for a special campaign. When Paul was traveling amongst the churches, he received special gifts for the church at Jerusalem. So there's systematic giving or tithing. There's special offerings. And then there are sacrificial offerings. Uh, Jesus one day stood and watched the people as they were practicing generosity, as they were giving, and he noted a widow who just put in what looked to be a very small offering, but he said that offering was the most significant because it was sacrificial. And uh, I think that there are times in our lives that we have to prayerfully consider sacrificial giving. Uh, today we're talking about systematic giving, uh, uh, the plan of giving, and on your seats as well, there's an offering envelope. You don't need to use it today, but we'd like you to take it and pray over um, a possible special gift or maybe even a sacrificial gift for you. There's a couple of things that we're emphasizing uh, in this Thanksgiving time, and that is, of course, feeding the many people that we will feed at Thanksgiving. And the other thing is that we need to um, do some serious work on the Tower of Hope and we need to get, to get it back into full operation. You know, the storm damaged it, and we've been working, working, working to try to reduce and look at the structure and get it under control. It just is a very expensive project. So if you would please pray about that. And it has some significance to us. In fact, the very first special offering that we took as a church was not on this property. It's when we met in a gymnasium. We met in a gymnasium for 10 years, like a real gymnasium with basketball hoops on the wall and lines on the floor. And uh, as finally we got to buy the place and own it, and then we wanted to make it look like a place of, of Jesus. And so we were praying, and we felt uh, directed by the Lord to launch our first special offering campaign. It was called, some of you are around for this, Operation Raise the Cross. And it was partly transforming the gymnasium that looked very much like a gymnasium and and to give the greatest symbol uh, in this generation for for Christians and the greatest symbol for Christianity in our generation is the cross and so we raised a cross over that property in fact if you go down Proctor Road that building is still being used for the glory of God the cross is still over that building and uh, when we came to this property which God miraculously gave to us and it sits at the gateway of our community you can't get into Sarasota from the north without going by our front door. In fact, pretty much everybody drives by the front door of this church. When I invite people to here, and I invite people constantly, I say, hey, you, you know the church that's on the highway, and it's got the tower and the cross, and they say, yeah, I've driven by it. How do I get to it? And I always just tell them it's like Cracker Barrel. You see a Cracker Barrel, and if you just keep driving to where you think it is, you get there. That's how Cracker Barrel works. And that's how church, and, but, oh, thanks be to God. When they open up Lakewood Ranch Boulevard, it's going to be so much easier. Hallelujah. Thanks for putting up with all of this construction because it's going to be so much better. But when God put us at the gateway and we were praying about this property, uh, we felt again to raise the cross. And, and the, the tower is across to the north, the south, and the east, and the west. And when it lights up properly, uh, that's what it does. And it is a testimony and actually, earlier this year, when we were in a season of fasting and praying, 
we received a prophetic word uh, that the person saw a vision of the property and it was like the fire of the Holy Spirit and it was up the whole column of the, the Tower of Hope, those crosses. And as the Spirit of God was doing something incredible here, people were being drawn from the north and the south and the east and the west. So we want to just take this on as a project. It's a big project. You can pray about it. To, to not just cosmetically, but structurally fix the Tower of Hope. It's about $350,000, and that's a big number. But I just want you to pray, and we'll, we're not, no, no numbers we're going to give to you uh, as far as telling you what to do. Just pray, and we'll see what the Lord does. But I would like everyone to, to at least test God in your generosity by learning the blessing of systematic generosity. And God actually asks us to test him. And the title of the message is Time Tested Tithe. Uh, and God says, hey, I'd like you to test me on this. Uh, the tithe, which means a tenth, it's a, a proportion of our income that we give. Uh, and it's the same for everyone. No, no matter what you make, it's a, it's a 10%. Uh, when I received an allowance, I don't know if you ever received an allowance. I, I, we had to work for our allowance. Every Saturday we'd get up, there'd be a list on the refrigerator. We accomplished that list, and then we got allowance, and we gave a tenth of our allowance. A tenth of our allowance we gave at church to the Lord's work. When I became an entrepreneur and my first business venture, uh, Paperboy Delivery, I set aside a tenth of my massive income from paper delivery, and I gave that to the Lord. I practiced tithing all of my life, so I would just give you this testimony from my life, that it's tested in my life, but not just in my life, in, in, in a, from the beginning. And God says, hey, test me in this. Put me to the test. If you test me in this systematic giving, watch how I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour out a blessing until every need is met. Now, please understand, tithing is not like a slot machine. You don't put your tithe in, crank the thing, and money falls out at the bottom. Many times when God opens up the windows of heaven, he is doing things that I didn't expect. It's not like a quid pro quo, put in a dollar, get out a hundred. That's not how it works. But it does work as a blessing in our lives. And um, it starts way back. It's from the beginning of the Bible. Uh, does anybody know the name of the first book of the Bible? Genesis, or the beginning, and it sets many of the patterns uh, for God's dealing with humanity in the book of Genesis, and the first place we find someone practicing systematic giving, or the tithe, is the father of our faith, and his name is Abraham. So in the beginning, let's, let's go way back, time-tested tithing, it's been around since Genesis, and the first person that we find giving the tithe is Abraham. We, the first offerings we find in the Bible are the, the Cain and Abel, when they brought offerings to the Lord. And we learn a couple of things from their offerings. One is that there are offerings that God receives and, and blesses God, and there are offerings that he doesn't. That's an interesting lesson from those guys. But when we come to Abraham, he meets a priest of God, representing God, representing God's work, called Melchizedek. And watch what happens in this verse. Melchizedek blesses his name isn't even changed yet, Amram, or he becomes Abraham. He blesses Abraham, and Abraham gives a tithe or a tenth of what his, uh, pro, his increase has been 
uh, to Melchizedek as Melchizedek represents God. Just notice this, that blessing and tithing are tied together. Blessing and tithing or systematic generosity are tied together. Abraham thought it was so important uh, that he passed on to his children the concept and the truth of systematic giving, the tithe. Uh, God is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We find Jacob in Genesis 28 as he has a life-changing encounter with God at a place called Bethel that when he has this change in his life, he promises, I will give a tenth or I will give a tithe to you of my increase. So this is before what's called the law of Moses or the law of the Lord. This is in the beginning. But when we get into Exodus, Moses comes along with the law of Moses, and the law of Moses is filled with the concepts of giving the systematic tithe to the Lord, giving a tithe. Uh, in Leviticus 27, uh, it says 10% of everything. Everything that you grow, everything that's a harvest, whatever uh, your fields produce, whatever your fruit trees produce. And because they were agriculturally based, uh, they systematically gave of their harvest. Uh, we don't have a lot of farmers here, so our harvest is whatever increase comes in. And all throughout Exodus, through all of the time of the Hebrews, the tithe was practiced. And then so tithing was in the beginning Genesis. It was throughout the Hebrew scriptures. And even when we come to the teachings of Jesus, even Jesus talked about the concept of tithing, and he does something that's so important, and I want you to understand it from this teaching that Jesus gives on tithing, because there's a shift in Jesus. In fact, uh, after the day of Pentecost, when the church was born, uh, there's not the mention of tithing in the book of Acts or throughout the letters of Paul. Uh, but because there's a shift here. Watch what Jesus talks about. He's talking to the Pharisees and to the uh, Sadducees, and he calls them hypocrites. A hypocrite was someone that played a part, who externally acted one way, but internally was differently. Um, and uh, some, people don't, some people don't go to church because of hypocrites. Did you know that? Yeah, I always tell them, one more won't bother us. Come on, amen, go ahead. It's, one more is not going to, we all have a little bit of this in us. We always want to present something better than we truly are. We're working on it, and that's okay. And if you're working on it here today, you're welcome. But Jesus sees beyond the surface, and he did that with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he says, whoa. Whenever Jesus says, whoa, that's not a good word. Whoa. Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you, Sadducees. You do practice the tithe. You tithe the stuff that you are growing, your mint and your dill and your cumin, these agricultural things but you've neglected the more important aspect of generosity. You've neglected uh, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And he's teaching us that there's two elements to our generosity. There's the systematic practice, but there's the spirit behind the systematic practice. Now get that. There's the practice of systematic giving, but if you just practice systematic giving without the spirit behind it, whoa. He wants an integrated person who has uh, from our spirits, from our hearts, to flow the subject of giving. And there's a transition in the book of Acts and the letters of Paul that giving and generosity continues to be emphasized, but it's a merging of our spirits and our systematic giving. He says you ought to 
you ought to tithe. You ought to. And if that, if that was the only teaching on tithing, I would tithe. If my Jesus said, you ought to tithe, I'd say, yes, sir. Because he's my Savior and my Lord. i say, yes, I will. He says, but it has to be combined with justice and mercy and faithfulness. Your spirit and your systematic giving need to be together. Don't just practice outwardly your religion. Make sure it's flowing from your heart. And so he says that this is part of our lives. Abraham, Moses, Jesus. How many know we're in good company? <laughs> Abraham, <laughs> Moses, Jesus. This is a good teaching. And he's just teaching us systematically, take a portion of your income. And so every week you don't come and go, I wonder what I'm going to do today. Well, the sermon was really good. Okay, I'm, wow, I'm, wow, wow. Oh, man, Scott was not on today, man. I don't know. I, I, this whole, that's why we take the offering before the preaching in this church. And actually, while I'm talking, there's no, pre there's no pressure. I just want to give the teach. I don't want you to get to heaven and go, Scott, you never taught us. So I've got to deal with this subject because when you get to heaven, you're, you're going to understand this in even a greater light. Here's the things we understand, that tithing puts God first. And that's very important in our lives. Um, the Hebrew Scriptures talks about the first fruits, the first portion. Uh, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And here it is again. When you put God first, blessings flow. All these things will be added to you. Uh, Darla and I, um, when we give, we give by check. I know that some of you don't even know checks still exist. But they are. They do exist. And we, so we, the first check that we write is the first portion of our income, and it's, uh, it's that systematic week in, week out giving of our tithe. Uh, we have practiced it. It wasn't really hard. When Darla and I got married, how many know money can be an issue in marriage? It can, it can create all kinds of tension. Like, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to carry debt? And are you going to Charge to your credit card, and I always say, don't charge, don't charge to your credit card what you can't pay in that month. Use your credit card like a check. So that Darla and I had that philosophy. We also had the philosophy of tithing. Uh, she tithed from when she was young, and I tithed when I was young. And so when we got together, it was just systematic giving was part of our value system. And so we just systematically have tithed, and it has worked over and over again. In fact, in this church. For, for 24 years, uh, we've offered what we call God's guarantee just to, to try this out because God says test me in it, and God's guarantee works like this. If you will practice systematic giving for 13 weeks or one quarter of the year and you don't find th the, this to be true, the blessing of the Lord, unusual things happening, then at the end of 13 weeks, it's a money-back guarantee. You can't go wrong. And in 24 years, no one, not one person has come back and said, doesn't work. I've had all kinds of people that come back and said, I wish I would have practiced this sooner in my life. I wish I would have taken the first portion of my income before I buy my groceries, before I put gas in my car, before I pay my mortgage. This is what we do. We give the first portion of God because when we tithe, we're saying, God, you are first. And we take what this world says is valuable, and we freely give it in a generous way. And it actually makes us feel good. There's a blessing. There's a cheerfulness that comes in giving. The Bible also teaches us that the tithe actually isn't ours. It belongs to God. 
Uh, Jesus in Matthew 22 was challenged by the Pharisees. They were trying to trick him. And um, they were, uh, the people, like even today, they were heavily taxed. And nobody likes to be heavily taxed. Okay, I don't like to be heavily taxed. You may enjoy it and may say, load it on. I don't like to be heavily. And they were, they were not only taxed by their government, they were taxed by the Romans who were an occupying force. And so the Pharisees came and they said, we want to test you on this. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar, pay taxes to Rome? And so Jesus reached in and got a coin. I, I brought a dollar bill with me today because on the image of our dollar bill, we have George, George Washington. And on the image of the coins of Jesus' day, there was Caesar. And uh, Jesus says he's holding a piece of currency, and he says, okay, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, or it's right for us to pay taxes for the governmental system we live in. But then he says this. He's holding a piece of currency, and he says, but make sure you also give to God what belongs to God. And Malachi says that when we withhold the tithe, when we don't practice systematic giving, he uses strong language. He says we're like robbing God. We're, we're, we're taking something that doesn't belong to us. If you're an employer and you have employees, you have to withhold from their uh, income a payroll tax. It sits in your bank for a season, but it's not yours. It belongs to the government. That's what the tithe is. So God is just looking to see how we respond to his claim that everything we have comes from him and the tithe, the systematic portion of our income, belongs to the Lord. Uh, did you know this as well? The tithe, though you give it here on earth, there's something that happens in heaven when you systematically give the tithe. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, as it's teaching about Jesus being better than everything that went before him. It talks about the priesthood of Melchizedek. Remember the first person that Abraham tithed to was Melchizedek. And it says, now Jesus is better than Melchizedek. He is, his priesthood is like that, but he is superior to everything. He says, now up until this point, as you've been tithing, uh, mortal men, priests, administered by the high priest, receives your tithe. Um, but now, the one who is receiving the tithe, as you give on this earth, Jesus is the one who receives it, and we have testified that he's the resurrected high priest. Here's what we're doing. This church does have a priest. It's not me. I'm one of the priests, just like all of you, but we have a high priest, and his name is Jesus. In this church, you confess your sins to the high priest, not to me. Hallelujah. Don't have time for all that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You just go straight to the high priest. But here's what also happens when you, you – let me just encourage you. If you give by check or when the bucket goes by, just don't throw your money in there. If you, if you stand at the kiosk and, and push buttons, just don't do that. Or if, even if you give by texting. Take a moment as you systematically – the tithe is a worship. It's, it's a, a moment for you to say, thank you, God, for everything I have. And I'm acknowledging every blessing I've experienced in my life comes at your hands. You say the tithe belongs to you, so I am practicing this systematic giving, a portion of my income each week. I give it to you, and I worship you. Worship is much more than just singing, much more than just raising a hand in the air. 
It's giving of the substance of our lives. And somehow, and this is what this verse is saying, when we give on the earth, it is received by Jesus as worship. So I encourage you, make your systematic generosity part of your worship. Pray over your tithe. Say, thank you, Lord. I worship you with my giving. That's what the Bible says. Now, every time we tithe, the tithe is always given by faith. Uh, there, there have been times in Darla and I, my life that we had to tithe by faith. Um, and the Bible says faith pleases God. It says in Hebrews that without faith we cannot please God. It's impossible to please him. Whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So um, there have been times in our life that we, and, and maybe for you, that, that tithing is an act of faith. When we first moved to Sarasota for the, the grand salary of zero, because there, there was the zero, we came here, we came <laughs> zero. We said, okay, now we've been practicing tithing all our lives. Uh, because when I was uh, an, a, an associate pastor, I had money to tithe. And when I was an evangelist, we lived from the hand of God, but money came in and we tithe. Now we, now we came to a place with zero. We're like, what are we going to do? So here's what we did by faith. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying it was a matter of faith. And every time you give, it's a matter of faith, whether it's a special gift or a sacrificial gift. Uh, but we just said, okay, what, 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 let's figure out our budget. What are we going to need uh, to eat? What are we going to need to pay our expenses? Let's do a budget like we had money. And then let's tithe on what we need to get. We practice that by faith. We just like, okay, we're gonna, we don't have, we're going to tithe out of our savings. This is not increased. Out of our savings, we're going to tithe on what we need to receive. And it wasn't too long that we were receiving what we were tithing on. Maybe you'd like to try that. It's not in the Bible, but maybe you'd like to try that. Maybe start tithing on what you'd like to receive. There's a concept anyway. Now, that's not a Bible verse. I just, I just threw that out there. I'm just really encouraging Systematic giving. Jesus receives it. We do it by faith. When we came, when we had first operation raised the cross, that was a matter of faith. People sacrificially gave. Some people gave special offerings. When we bought this land that we're sitting on, we wouldn't be here without special gifts. First of all, we wouldn't be here without systematic people that are regularly part of our ministry and tithing. We wouldn't be here without special gifts. We wouldn't be here without sacrificial gifts. And as we come to this month, we just want to pray about what we should do, not from Scott, please, not from Scott. I always tell people, if you feel I'm twisting your arm on this subject, and it's always a little tension in the air, I know that. But if you feel I'm twisting your arm, just hold back on giving. There's no, there should be no compulsion, the Bible says. It should come from your heart. In fact, um, a young officer was being trained and being tested by his superior, and he says, okay, if you come up to a crowd and you need to disperse a crowd, what technique do you use? He said, I, I try to receive an offering. It's tense. I get that. But it's a matter of faith. Sacrificial giving God is to where we are. This month we just pray about it, see what the Lord says to us. I will tell you this, that when you give the 10%, it invites the blessing of God on the remainder. And we often talk about how uh, a blessed 90% is much better than an unblessed 100%. The, the blessing of God. And here's what happens. 
in Malachi, when it's teaching about tithing, it says uh, there are devouring forces that wear things out and wear things down. Do you remember when the people of God walked in the wilderness for 40 years? Do you know that the Bible says that their shoes never wore out for 40 years? Now, if Reebok could make a shoe like that, well, they'll never will because they they want to sell more shoes. But their shoes never wore out. And so there is times that the, the, the devourer is rebuked, that your fruit is not destroyed, that your soil is not taken away, that your fields and your fines are able to bear fruit because the, 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 the 90 is protected. And so things just last longer. Now, I will say, um, not all the time. So just, just because you tithe and become a systematic giver doesn't mean sunshine and roses and nothing ever breaks down. Darla and I are praying about our sacrificial, our special gift that we would give. And in the midst of getting ready, um, our, our washing machine dies. Yeah, uh-oh is right. So I, I'm not really mechanically inclined, but I go online and I learn that if I unplug my washing machine and let it sit for a while, and plug it back in, possibly it could resurrect. And to the glory of God, that worked. Hallelujah. But immediately after that, our dryer dies. These things are only about 10 years old. You know what the problem is? Let me tell you what the problem is. Let me rant a little bit. They put these stupid computers in everything. Just give me a machine I can put my clothes in, spin around, let me take it out. I'm happy. I don't need to have a computer in my dryer. Just heat the clothes up and take them out. I don't, but now everything's computerized. So our dryer dies. So what do I do? I unplug it. I let it sit. I plug it back in. Nothing. That's the extent of my repairability, actually. So, so lo- yesterday, laundry day, our washing machine is working, and our whole house is filled with clothes on anything we can hang them on. Everywhere there's clothes. I'm glad you didn't come to visit. It would have been unsightly because our dryer machine is broke. And we're about on our third load. We're on the darks. And our washing machine died. Don't worry, don't worry. I know what to do. I unplug it. I let it sit. Plug it back in, nothing. Those dark clothes are still in our washing machine. We prayed. I said, Darla, pray over this room. There's something weird happening in this laundry room. Pray over it. I'm just saying this, that sometimes you are faithful in systematic giving and stuff still happens. It doesn't mean that you should give up. We're going to keep on practicing by faith. I just want you to know that God knows stuff we don't know. So we're praying about this special gift. Now we've got washer and dryer issues, but we're still, in our lives, going to practice, not just systematic giving. We're not saying, okay, I'm not tithing this week, t- washer and dryer. No, we continue to practice because we've done it all our life, systematic giving. And we d- this is us. When, when we feel under attack, we double down on generosity. When this church... When we came and we had zero money, $127, we started supporting missionaries before we started receiving finances ourselves. 
because we believe in doubling down on generosity. So I just want to encourage you. If you haven't been a systematic person in this month of generosity, I'd like to encourage you, exhort you, to become a systematic giver. And if you say, there's no way in the world, Scott, I, I, a tithe, that's, just, that's out, of the, out of this world for me. Now, it's not in the Bible, but I would, uh, here's what I would say. I would say pick a figure, pick a some percentage that you could give systematically with the goal of reaching this level of 10%, which is 10%. That's the tipping point. That's when you're going to start to see some things happen. But start a systematic program. And then this month, those of you that are systematic givers, thank you very much. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here today without you. We appreciate you. And we understand that many by faith have taken steps, and so we thank you very much. And then this is a month we just pray about something special, something special to help with our Thanksgiving outreach and to take care of the tower and get those crosses lit up again. We think we'd like to light them to the north, the south, and the east, and the west, and it's going to take some, 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 some special and some sacrificial gifts to do that. So would you please pray about that? And let me say this. If you have never given systematically, or you've never given a special gift, or you've never given sacrificially, God is still absolutely crazy about you. It, again, I'm going to say it's not like a slot machine. It's not, okay, I'll do this, and then God will love me. No, no. God loves you in this moment as much as he ever will love you. And whatever you need today, he has for you. If you need salvation, he's got salvation. If you need healing, he's got healing. If you need to be set free in your life, his grace is in this room. And you don't buy grace. You don't earn grace. You don't get credit with God. His grace is still here to minister to you. He loves you. There's nothing you could do that would make God love you more. And there's absolutely nothing you could do that make God love you less. There's nothing that will separate you from the love of God. Now, you can separate yourself through lifestyle and decisions, but God's love is in this room to reach out, to minister to you and to all of us. And we pray that you'd be like that woman that pressed through the crowd. You'd reach out and receive the grace that you need for today because it's abundant and it's free. Let the church say amen. Can we stand together, brothers and sisters? Can we close our eyes and open our hearts? I invite our prayer team to come to minister the grace of God to your home, to your family, to your relations, to your children. And I pray that the Lord will just fill this room with his sweet presence as Chandler was exhorting us earlier to be just aware of the presence of Jesus. And the presence of Jesus is in this room. And he's good. And he's so good. I pray, Lord, that faith would arise in our hearts that we would shake off bondages that hold us back. I pray that this will be a moment of ministry. May God put a faith in your heart that this could be a day that changes your life. You could receive prayer and your life could change. This could be a meeting place with God, just like Jacob out at that place called Bethel. This could be a meeting place with God and you'll never be the same again. God's grace is in this room. God's presence is in this room. And God would like to do that miracle in you. And I pray that our hearts would be open to salvation. Our hearts would be open to healing. Our hearts would be open to deliverance and freedom. And that what the Lord would say to us, our ears would hear what the prophecy of the Lord would be to us. In Jesus' name.
Can you look this way just for a moment? In these next few moments, the worship team is just going to lift up the Lord. The prayer team is here. If you need your life, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you don't know if your heart is right with God. Or maybe you know it's not. Maybe you've been a prodigal. Maybe you've been a, a thousand miles away from God. It doesn't matter how many steps you take away from God. It's only one step to come back. And our team is here to pray with you and for you. If you need healing, we have anointing oil. And according to the scriptures, we'll anoint you with oil, a symbol of the Holy Spirit for healing. If you need, maybe, maybe it is your finances. I, I love to pray the prayer of financial blessing on people's lives. And, and Lord, help us to be financially in the right place because God cares about these things. If you've been a guest here today, let me thank you for coming. If you'd like to join us in a seminar at 1030, you're more than welcome. I'll be teaching in just a few moments. If you are a guest and you, you have never stopped by our VIP room, if you're new to Hope and never stopped by our VIP room, please do that before you go. There's some gifts in there and we'd like to greet you. I'm going to pray a blessing as uh, your pastor. And after this blessing, there's no other benediction. People will come and pray. If you'd like to receive Holy Communion today, you don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion, just a friend and a follower of Jesus. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer, just a friend and a follower of Jesus, or just someone that's interested in Jesus, trying to figure Jesus out. Come and receive prayer. Watch what happens. Jesus is so glad you're here. He'll do miracles in this place because that's just the way his love is. And we're praying for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to flow, for the Spirit of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's in this place to do the unusual, the supernatural. So I just pray this blessing, and as I prayed, I'm going to open my hands towards heaven. If you'd like to join me, you're more than welcome. Our eyes are closed. No one's embarrassed. Lord, we open our hands as an outward sign of an inward truth. We're reaching out to you. And now on the daughters and the sons of God that are here, pour your spirit. Bring breakthrough, bring revelation, bring insight, bring love, bring generosity, bring grace. I pray that Jesus will bless you and keep you, that he will shine his face upon you, and you will walk with the Spirit of God. I bless you in the strong, in the mighty name of Jesus, and in Jesus' name, you are very blessed. And all of God's people say together, amen. Just give the Lord a thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. And come forward for prayer and come forward for communion.